Welcome to The Reserve, a news and thoughts podcast from the Central Verse. I'm your host, Caleb Nygaard, and today is episode number 29. Now, this week, uh, a couple of days ago, David Beckworth's podcast, Macro Musings, had me on the show to talk about a wide variety of Fed governance issues of the day. It was an absolute blast, and if any listeners are tuning into the reserve today for the first time uh, because of David's podcast, I want to extend a very warm welcome and say I'm glad that you are here. You've chosen a good day to start on the pod. Uh, I will also warn you, however, that I am not nearly as coherent or salient as the excellent producers of Macro Musings make me out to be, Uh, but I love doing the reserve. Uh, and I love being able to have people on like our guests today. Um, and if you have any feedbacks or comments or suggestions for who you would like to have on the show, feel free, uh, including to self-nominate yourself. Uh, my uh, Twitter DMs are always open at Caleb Nygaard. Um, and one final thing to any new listeners, last week, uh, Stephen Kelly and I got to uh, chat with Nick Timros from the Wall Street Journal about his new book, uh, Trillion Dollar Triage. Uh, so if you finish this episode and want more, uh, at least go back to episode 28. It was a blast of a conversation. But enough of that intro at the top. What is, let us dive in. I, like I said, I couldn't be more excited uh, for today's show. Dorian Nunez is an entrepreneur. He's an author and he's an activist doing the, the good work, fighting the good fight. Uh, He has advised U.S. presidents, governors, mayors uh, from all over the country, um, and he has recently begun an initiative to increase the number of black and brown people that serve on the Federal Reserve Bank and branch boards of directors. Uh, So it's pretty obvious why you can see where our our, uh, interests intersected and where our friendship began. Um, Dorian, as a college student, and, uh, and I'm actually super excited about this point, so kind of put a pin in this part of his bio. Uh, he was a community activist uh, who actively uh, participated in collecting signatures for the passage of the Community Re- Reinvestment Act. Um, and so, you know, anybody that has followed uh, my work or the reserve or, or anything uh, coming out uh, of this podcast knows that, uh, that this is gonna be good. So Dorian, uh, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much, Caleb. I'm excited to be here. Glad for the work that you're doing. And those other Fed nerds out there, that's what we call ourselves. You bet. Or or reservists or whatever term (laughs) you want to use, who care about the Fed and all of, not just the open market stuff, you know, interest rates going up and down, but all that it involves because we realize how important it is to our economy. Yeah, here, here. It, It really is. And this is a fun place. Uh, where, where, where that is exactly the audience that we're, that we're talking to. And I'm glad you actually pointed that out about the interest rate. Cause when I tell people, you know, I've, I'm in the kind of the world of the central bank, a lot of times they're just got responses. Like, should I re, uh, should I, uh, you know, redo my mortgage or, you know, yeah. which, which direction are, are things going? And although that is important, that is a big part of it. There's so much more to the story and there are more ways to get involved in what the fed is doing than uh, than people may anticipate. So, yeah. uh, so, so I love that point. Well, so let's kind of jump in, uh, kind of take a second before we get into the boards of directors uh, explicitly. Let's just talk for a second about what's been happening uh, in the news the last uh, month or two in regards to personnel at the central bank. We're at a, uh, a transition period uh, in the, the, the leadership 
uh, six months from now is going to look quite different than the leadership of the central bank a year ago. So, uh, you know, what uh, we've got three nominees, uh, or we've got five, we had five nominees, one's dropped out. Just kind of want to kind of get your reaction to uh, the nominees uh, and, and where they're at in the process. Well, you've been following this a lot closer than I have, but I'm excited to say that my college classmate, Ms. Susan Collins, um, is now, and if you haven't figured out, Caleb's at Yale, I'm at Harvard, uh, from <laughs> Harvard, but um, she's going to be taking over at the head of the Boston Fed yep. um, in, I guess it's July, yep. um, stepping into those shoes there. And I haven't heard who's in Dallas, but I think that's an open slot. You may yep. be more talented that than I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm a big fan of Dr. Andrew Brimmer, uh, yeah. the first African-American on the Board of Governors. And he's a Harvard uh, undergrad, Harvard PhD, and former professor at Harvard Business School. And we're going to have the first Black woman sitting on the Open Market Committee, Dr. Lisa Cook, who also taught at Harvard. Cheers I'm to that. To That's say. right. Yeah. And um, <laughs> uh, as part of her career development. So um, it's the, as you say, it's going to look a lot different sitting around that table. I can't wait to see the picture. Or the yep. Open Market Committee, because I think there's several women, yep. and 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 I don't want to say a majority of women, but you're getting parity there. Yep. And um, the purpose, as you know, Caleb, is to get all different kinds of viewpoints so that we can make our economy totally inclusive and better. Yeah. So that's pretty exciting. Um, for those of us who get excited by things <laughs> like that. <laughs> it is. It is. It, it absolutely is. And I'm glad you brought up uh, Andrew Brimmer as well. You know, uh, first of all, some, you know, if there are any historians out there listening uh, or, or, or people that, that want work to do that, his biography just really needs to be written because there are few people who have quite as inspiring a story and uh, as, as Andrew, Andrew Brimmer has. And just the kind well, of- Kaylee, if you let me add on to that, just yeah. a little- uh, in addition to being a professor at Harvard Business School and running his own economic shop and everything else that he did, he was also on the board of uh, Tuskegee Institute for years, the yeah. chairman of that board, yeah. um, with another Black Harvard Business School alum. Um, we just talked about this last night at Harvard Business School, so this is very cool. fresh on my brain. Cool. Yeah, tell us um, about it. Uh, but uh, uh, Luther Foster, who is the president of Tuskegee, who graduated from Harvard Business School in 1935, got his PhD from the University of Chicago and was president of the university, but Andrew Brimmer was his board chair. So, um, and the last thing I have to say, because I'm in New Orleans, is Andrew Brimmer is a native of Louisiana. Right on. So so I have to add that in there for you historians. And just one last Louisiana moment. Uh, There's a woman by the name of Sarah Breedlove from Louisiana who became the first known African-American millionaire in the country, you know her as Madam C.J. Walker, but her, but her real name was Sarah Breedlove um, out of, once again, Louisiana. So there's a lot of stuff that comes out of Louisiana that That's gets awesome. overlooked. And um, you wouldn't think a native New Yorker like me would really dive <laughs> into that, but you study history wherever you find it. And um, that's all good stuff to, uh, to know and remember. It is. Yeah, no, no, no. It, it, it absolutely is. And, uh, and, and I will put in a, uh, one more note there. I, so in, as part of my research, I've gone back and I've done a lot of this, uh, you know, just collecting these lists of making lists of all the leadership uh, folks at, at the Fed. And one of the 
data items that I've collected on all of the FOMC members uh, that, that I can, you know, all of the FOMC members going back all the way to the beginning in 1914, and then the directors as well. So we've got, you know, close to 3000 people in this list. And one of the data items I collect is education. And, uh, and, and, and Dorian is always uh, uh, happy to point out the, the, the red bar, which I always highlight in red for, for Harvard. And so it's pretty cool to see uh to to see that and so uh, i have that data it's on the centralverse website if anybody's interested in in taking a peek a peek there so let's uh so uh i guess uh let's talk about these these directors and i'm just going to kind of very briefly because this is really in the weeds and so even though uh only people in the know are listening to this uh sometimes even those in the know aren't familiar quite as in the details about how these boards of directors work and so i'm just going to spend about 30 seconds describing how these how these works and that's going to frame kind of the rest of the conversation that dorian and i are going to have about this these directors and kind of what they do and, and how and what what dorian's doing in this world so at, at each of the 12 reserve banks uh, and at some of the reserve bank branches, uh, there are a board of directors, kind of like a normal corporation's board of directors, um, with a few caveats. Uh, but at the at the head offices, there are nine directors. Uh, three of them are bankers, so there's banks from the community, uh, leadership, uh, senior leadership of of banks in the community. Uh, that are elected by their fellow bankers to be on the board of directors at the Fed. Um, another three non-bankers are also elected by those uh, bankers in the district. And then you know, those final three, so the three to round out the nine, are chosen by the board of governors in Washington, D.C. So that group that we were talking about with those nominations with uh, like Lisa Cook and, and, and Jefferson, um, and, and some of the other new folks that are coming on. So that group will choose the other three. So you've got these nine individuals serving at any time and then in a director position uh, at all 12 of the reserve banks. And diversity was a part of this position of these who these directors would be from the very beginning, since the act was passed in 1913 and the reserve banks were founded in 1914. But the original diverse requirements written into the law were only about geography. They wanted them to come from different parts of the country. Uh, and the second was they, they, they wanted them to represent different parts of the economy. It wasn't until 1977 that, uh, that the, the um, language around diversity was updated. And it, as it reads today, they, these directors uh, should be chosen uh, without discrimination, and now I'm reading, on the basis of race, creed, color, sex, or national origin. And so it's pretty cool that we have that. It's like most everything in the country. It took too long to get that in there. Uh, and I have data for how this is, has tracked, but, uh, uh, but we have that. That's who those positions are, and that's a little bit about the language. And so, Dorian, I just wanted to ask you kind of before we talk into what you're doing today, I was wondering if we could just take a step back and just ask kind of how you found out about the Fed directors and maybe even before that, how you found out about the Fed, kind of what was your intro to this, to this world? Well, th thanks for asking that. My intro started 50 years ago. Uh -huh. um, I'm a native of New York City. I was good in math. I got a scholarship to go away to boarding school, St. Paul School in Concord, New Hampshire. Wow. On the board of directors of, of St. Paul's, the board of trustees, 
who was the chairman of Morgan Guarantee Trust Company, and it was a high executive from Bankers Trust. And wow. so a, a school teacher there said to them, you know, um, we have some kids from inner city New York. They need summer jobs. Bankers had originally said, bring them down for a day to get exposed to the banking industry. And this teacher was smart enough to say, they don't need a day and lunch. They need summer jobs. So literally in the 10th grade, me and a bunch of others went into the offices of Bankers Trust, 270 Park Avenue, filled out these applications. And then we went up to Times Square and we watched the Mass House on the Left, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, or some horror movie. Wow, yep. and, and so I started as a messenger at 14 Wall Street, right across from the stock exchange. And mm -hmm. my, my job was to deliver commercial paper to the Fed, to the Fed window. Amazing. And so I did this three, four, and I also went around to the banks when they dropped off money, picked up IPOs, ran all sat at the steps of Federal Hall with, with um, you know, George Washington statue. Yes. To the guy in the corner saying that the money changes will all die. The end of the world is coming in five <laughs> years. All that stuff. Yep. And so that planted the seed in me. Wow. And, and you know, when, well, I'll, I'll finish with this one little story. Yeah, please. When you're in high school, as I was, and you deliver something on June 30th, and it says pay to the bearer $675,000 on August 10th, yeah. your eyes light up and you yeah. say, I don't know what this is. I don't know what's going on here, but I wish I was coming here in August to pick up the money yeah. and not just dropping it off. Yeah, and, and and so that really started 33 Liberty Street. I mean, I could give you all kinds of stuff. That's amazing. Um, so I'm a big believer in high school internships. Totally. Early introduction. Yep. And then later on, you know, I got involved with uh, that got me involved in anti-redlining because I cared about banking and my yep. neighborhood was being redlined in Brooklyn, and and that's really what started it. And so I won't bore you with more and more details, but. Um, I've been in community groups against redlining, met with Alan Greenspan a couple of times talking about anti-redlining. I've done anti-redlining studies. So I know the importance of the Fed. Yeah. And, um, and so that has matured. I, as a matter of fact, not only do I know the importance of the Fed, but for CRA, I used to go around the branches and see, did you have your disclosure sign up? Let yep. me see your open um, file and read through it. And made some bankers pretty mad, but <laughs> doing the good the work, law. like I said, yep. That, but that was the law. But now, as I've gotten older, now I can see the importance of um, being at the being a director and yeah. how important it is to be in the room having yep. a discussion. The Fed has economists on its staff, community outreach groups, so much of resource that's available yeah. that it's. Um, should not be ignored and overlooked. And I think it can help to close the racial wealth gap, especially with diversity at the governing board level, because those people do all the hard work. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they have some, they have some some big jobs. You know, they're they're there inside the building. And, you know, those these directors, one of their, one of their, in fact, actually the most, in my opinion, the most important thing that they do is they get to select the management of the of the of the bank right they're, they're selecting the officers um and it's uh, it's up and down the chain the one that gets the most attention obviously is the uh is the president 
So the, the you know, a subsection of the directors get to choose the, the president of the Federal Reserve Bank. Um, I don't think listeners need to, uh, this isn't going to be the first time they hear it, hear it, hear it but, uh, you know, these presidents of these Federal Reserve Banks, the 12 of them spread out through the country, they're not political appointees. They don't have to go through the White House. They don't have to go through the Senate. The, only, the people that get to decide who are going to be the leaders of the Reserve Banks are these directors. Yeah. Um, and, that, and that one is that's obviously important. That gets the most attention. Um, but they also choose the the you know the junior uh, vice president that's responsible for the redlining uh, you know outfit uh, the redlining team the anti redlining team uh, that's going out and examining the banks uh, in you know in in rural towns and in big cities alike uh, and so you no know. You're, you're exactly right so and that's why you got to dig under the covers but that's that's why it's really such an important institution in so many ways but that's yeah. one of them. That, as you say, the CRA officers, the, uh, the guys who are going into the bank and looking at, are you complying with all kinds of bank regulation? Um, yeah. They hire those people, they train those people. What kinds of studies do you do? The Fed is trying to keep our economy going, right? So what they do is they study the economy, whether it's the housing market, the labor market, international trade, all of those key economists and research and things that they're doing that we rely on so much. Um, it's coming, a lot of it is coming through the Fed. And so they get to point them in the right direction. I'll make one other story. Years ago, the Federal Reserve Bank of Boston did a study. This was, this was years ago, trying to find out if you had a Black person and a white person, same uh, wealth, same, same background, which one was more likely to get a loan? Yeah. And that was back in the 80s. Yeah. That's the point I'm making. That was in the 80s. But the fact is that he, as the governor of the Federal Reserve, um, as the head of the Federal Reserve Bank of Boston, made the decision to study this, right. allocated resource to go ahead and do it, and came back with this incredible study that shocks people to this day. It's still sadly true today, yeah. but, um, but at least the Fed has the resources to research and study that, and other yeah. things as well, but that's sure. one of them. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's an awesome, that's a really important anecdote. And I, you know, a couple of episodes ago had uh, um, had uh, Christina on the on the podcast, Professor from Wharton, who was talking about the research aspect of of the Fed, and it really is a very important part of what they are uh, they're doing. And it also reminds me one other thing that Andrew Brimmer did when he f- kind of first got to the governorship uh, position is he is he, con- he, he commissioned within the Fed a, uh, a study on who the directors had been. And uh, it was the very first kind of look at a systematic, let's make a list. In fact, my project eventually was actually just, hey, let's, can I update, you know, since Brimmer did it in the late 60s, can I update it to bring it to, to today? Um, but that was one of the first things that he had done. And so when we look at people like, you know, Lisa Cook coming on and, and Jefferson coming on to the uh, to the board of governors, they're going to be they're going to have their regular their regular stuff. And and to each person, it's up to them kind of what other projects on the side they want to bring to it. But I am really excited to see uh, what exactly it is that they uh, that they choose to uh, to work on because they're given quite a bit of flexibility. I predict that our economy is going to have. Uh, it's going to take off yeah. because these people at the Fed will get us focused in the areas that we have ignored for so many years. 
Yeah. Instead of giving an unemployment statistic and saying the unemployment rate is 3.5%. Sure. Well, that's not entirely accurate. Mm -hmm. And it's 2.8% for white Americans. Right. And it's double that for black Americans. Right. And it's right. been that way consistently for decades. Right. And so uh, if they start to pay attention to this and look at it more, then we can address it. A car can't run with one tire that's flat. Right. And so if we could get our economy going with everyone involved, it'll just grow. Citibank did a study. Citibank. Yep. That recently said, you know this, Caleb. Citibank yep. recently did a study, and they said that our economy would be sixteen trillion dollars greater than it is now if we could weed out discrimination and racism. Yeah. And out of that, thirteen trillion is from lack of loan for businesses, but the other three is home mortgages. Yeah. So um, other people have done similar studies, and I don't care what the number is; it's big. Yep. yep. So if we can find ways to get capital to work and get yep. it in the hands of people who use it responsibly, especially in the hands of people who haven't been getting it. Yeah. Our economy will just uh, take off and grow. Yeah. And that's uh, that's my 20 year forecast, Caleb. That's right, I love it. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, it's uh, uh, regarding that kind of lending and stuff, uh, myself with uh, with, with co-authors, uh, Peter Conti Brown and lead co-author uh, Brian Feinstein, uh, because of the way that the Fed is structured, and since I've got this supervision regulation specifically of this Community Reinvestment Act uh, requirement that makes sure that banks are lending appropriately into these uh, um, poor, poor neighborhoods and not redlining and things like that. Uh, we're able to do, so there's kind of this cool natural experiment emerges where we're able to measure things like how diversity affects those. And we found a pretty, a, a very strong correlation uh, as a as more uh, black and brown uh, individuals were on the, appointed to the, or elected to the board of directors, the work in, in, in lending uh, to uh, poor neighborhoods increased. And so, and that was a very strong statistical uh, correlation that was, that was important to find. Um, so I wanted to ask, Dor, you know, what, what is it, uh, what, what are you doing now? What's, I know you've got, uh, you know, you've got some ideas and I know you gave us your 20 year prediction, but you are actually <laughs> not just an active, you're, you're not just a passive observer of this, uh, of this forecast. I know you've got plans and you've got ideas. Um, and I just wanted to ask, you know, kind of what is it that you're, you're doing and thinking of doing in regards to these, uh, board of director positions? And, and well, I'm glad, thanks for asking that. We, um, a couple of Harvard alumni, yeah. and it's called Black and Crimson. That name has been around since the 70s. Black students at Crimson, who, yep. who are at Harvard. Um, we got together for some reunion events. And with all of the drive towards having more African-Americans and, and, and Latinos on corporate boards, yep. because like you, I think about the Fed. <laughs> I said, yeah. well, you know, you don't only have to serve on a corporate board. You can serve on the board of the Fed. You can serve on the board of the Federal Home Loan Bank, which pays, yep. by the way. Um, <laughs> yep. that's, that's a better one to be on. For yeah, those that's right. Um, <laughs> I love it. Uh, but uh, And so I started talking to classmates, and three of us got together, and we created a group called Black and Crimson Passport to Boards, mm -hmm. where we work with each other. We're peers. We help each other. Several of us are on boards, and yep. others, all of us want to be on boards. 
and how do we uh, access getting out the board to get into the flow of those discussions and those conversations? Yeah. And so I approached them and said, well, I know you don't get paid to be on the board of the Fed, but it helps your resume. Let's be clear about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it helps you in terms of understanding what a board is like. And you get to do something that is of great social value. And so yeah. some of our members care as much about social justice and nonprofit boards as they do about for-profit boards. Absolutely. So we've been meeting for about a year. And then along came, I ran into you and discovered yep. your article and yep. said, you know, there's a whole process here that people don't know about. So we've embarked on a three-year project and we call it three years because as you know, board members turn over every year. And I think every three years you get about 100% turnover, something to that effect yep. in general. Mm -hmm. um, and we're finding people who are, in, in our case, um, initially, Harvard experienced Harvard alums, yep. black and brown. Then we'll, exp we'll expand it to other schools as well, but we have sure. to get our own house in order first sure. and educate them and say, this is what it's about. This is the process. The first myth is they think, oh, I'm not a banker. Well, yeah. you don't have, and this is, these are classmates of mine from Harvard Business School. I said, you don't have to be a banker. We can have, you can be a butcher, a baker, a candlestick baker, and, <laughs> and serve. Yep. We've got people from the Louisville Urban League serving on the board of the, the of the uh, the branch in Cincinnati, um, which is part of the Cleveland thing. Yep. So, um, so it, you don't have to be. You can be a. I've had union organizers serve on the rich that I know of serving the Richmond Fed. Yep. So if you don't know this stuff, you're filled with myths. Yes. And um, and you're not able to achieve as much as you want to, or be a part of the uh, the the great activity of capitalism and U.S. economy, that when it works, it's the greatest thing that exists. And when it doesn't, it's a headache and a pain in the neck. <laughs> yep. And I, yeah, oh, this is, this is, this is great. And this is really important, important work. Um, because there is that, that, that myth of, I don't, yeah, I'm not an economist. I'm, I'm not a banker. And yet explicitly written into the law, there are three seats of the nine reserved for bankers, but six seats. So the majority, you know, the, the, the super majority actually of the, of the board of directors, they not only are not uh, bankers, but they cannot be bankers. And so, yes. you know, so there are seats, there are three seats for bankers, but there are six seats reserved for people that are not bankers. And that'd be that, yeah, you've named them, you know, education, you're involved in education, you're involved in healthcare, you're involved in there you go. Labor. Labor is actually explicitly called out in the law as one of the sectors of the economy that should be included. And it's uh, been pretty underrepresented over time. Uh, and, and then just as regarding, I just thought of, a, uh, of, a, of an experience that I had. One of my first introductions to the Fed actually came because of the board of directors. And it goes to kind of that nonprofit, the, the social service aspect of it. My professor, my, my intro to macro professor in undergrad, uh, one of the jobs that he had in the Fed before he left it was helping, was trying to work with the boards of directors to recruit the, you know, because like Dorian said, they rotate pretty frequently. They can serve a three-year term and they can do it two times. There's two term limit of two, uh, of two terms. And so there's, there's a lot of turnover. And uh, he said the, by far the best recruiting tool that they had was to use past directors to, talk to other people 
potential candidates and just describe the experience that he had. He said, that was by far and away our most effective recruiting tool because these past directors would just talk about it being the most intellectually stimulating experience that they'd had in their entire career. And these are people that have had very interesting and, and, and yes. stimulative, stimulative careers. And I bring that story up for two reasons. I bring it up one to say that like, yeah, you know, it, it actually, you know, yeah, it pays like a couple hundred bucks. So it's not paid basically at all. Uh, but it's incredibly interesting, interesting work and important work. Feel like you're making a difference. Like Dorian said, it helps resume. But I also, I think an important uh, thing that I've, that I've found in this, and this has been uh, proven out in, in studies looking at this, at the data of the people that have served as well, is an important, other point of important aspect of that story of my early professor was that these director positions are often filled by friends of the previous group. Right. And just like many things in this country, if you're just looking at your current pool, that kind of systemic racism that, that has just kind of built in slash our kind of segregation in society that was once legal and now, although is not, uh, is not legal, uh, still pervades our society, uh, we just kind of get this cycling. And that's why it's often hard to, to make progress in getting a diverse pool of candidates. And so I didn't have that realization until years after I had heard that story from my professor, but the work that you're doing, Dorian, is 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 kind of adding another pipeline, trying to build another pipeline into uh, the board that's not just the past group looking at you, kind of in in their friend circle. Well, and what you're doing, the research that you're doing is is enlightening, and yeah. podcasts like this is just getting the message out and the word out. Uh, may, there's somebody listening who goes, you know, I'm on a housing board. Yeah. Gee, I never thought that I could also be on the, the branch you yep. know, of, of, uh, of the Federal Reserve Board. And you, yep. you can not, as you know, not every bank, not every district bank has branches. Sure. But do your homework and see where you yep. live and figure it out. And even if you can't be on the, the board, there are various community outreach committees, yep. all advisory boards and councils, all kinds of things that exist today that didn't exist before CRA. Um, that that are that are there that you can um, make a difference. I mean, that's what the really boils down to is you can make a difference. Yeah, that's it. That is that is exactly right. That's the that's the opportunity to 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 get involved. And you know, the Fed is uh, you know now kind of not just talking about the the Reserve Bank boards of directors or, or or formal positions like that as well. But you know, the Fed in the last twenty years has gone from being a having a, a ginormous wall, you know, cinder block wall around it with a moat and a drawbridge that only comes down, uh, you know, once every six weeks for Greenspan to walk in and out of. Uh, but some of those, that wall has shrunk. The the moat has mostly dried up. Not to say that it's the most uh, accessible of institutions. It's still a hundred year old central bank, um, but it's made a lot of progress. And there are more opportunities today than there ever have been. I'll give one other explicit example about this. The, as part of their framework review that they conducted in 2018-19, in and then the results were announced in 2020, they would do the they did these Fed listens tours where they went around and they invited the public to to get involved and to come and to speak. They had they had conferences and they had uh, uh, you know listening groups. And what they did when they finished that experience is they said, you know what, this was a, a very important process and we are gonna set ourselves uh, on a five-year cycle where we're gonna do this every five years. And so 
you know, the next one will start, it could start as early as uh, next summer in 2023. Um, wow. So the results being announced in 2025. So even just kind of keeping it on, you know, people's radar of these ways to to be involved in, in what the Fed uh, is doing. And I don't think there's an institution that has quite the amount of influence on the on on the world, not just the U.S. economy, the global economy, on local economies, it's in, incredibly influential. And there are ways to to get involved, and it's been fun. It's it's fun to to talk about some of those. Um, it is. It is. And we'll and we'll we'll make sure to uh, include uh, contact information uh, for both of us. But I want to give you a chance. Uh, you know, is is there anything else that that you're thinking about uh, in in this sphere before you know before we, we wrap? I want to make sure there's there's nothing else that you're you're seeing today or or things that you're working on that you think listeners should should know about. Well, regarding the Fed, I would just say um, do do more research on it. You'll be you'll be you'll be shocked at all of the tentacles that it has, all the things. <laughs> does um you may discover that there's a branch in your hometown that you didn't know existed and and uh the one in new orleans has a little museum in the lobby um, as well and they all have education outreach programs we'll come and talk to kids um, about the economy and money financial literacy all of those things but at the executive level at the top level uh find out who's on that board and with technology, don't be afraid to email and comment. You'd be surprised yep. what happens. Invite speakers out and follow Caleb's podcast. That's what <laughs> you need to do. Follow. He's a unique treasure and, and move to do the 29 times talking about this. You're one of the experts. So um, I'm, I'm just pleased to be here. Proud yeah. to be here. And, you know, I, I value the work that you do and that we're doing. Yeah. We got to get some HBCUs involved. Um, you got absolutely. Yep, absolutely. Uh, so, you got so it. Figure out how to do that and um, uh, make make change happen. That's exactly right. Well, you're 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 and you're you're an inspiration to me and to and and to everyone listening. I know. Um, you know, this is this is work. Like you said, you uh, you know, we see we see things moving. Uh, sometimes mostly in the right direction, but not always in the right direction. And uh, it's important to 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 get involved uh, where where we can. And no one is is working harder in that uh, than Dorian is. So so let's wrap it on that uh, on that note. Dorian, thank you so much for joining me. Great, a pleasure to be here. Go KBJ, go KBJ. <laughs> That's right. I will note at the at, at the end here that Dorian can be reached at uh, at Omni Research at AOL.com, and I am at Caleb Nygaard on Twitter. And if uh, if you also need to get in contact with or would like to get in contact with Dorian, you can reach out to me and I can connect you. Uh, important work and we'll, we'll have you back on uh, as these, this three-year plan progresses. Until next time, thanks for listening, everyone.